This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour open-line talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. To express your viewpoint, please call 804-754-1988. That's 804-754-1988. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. In 1950, James Paul Wardberg addressed the United States Senate and said, we will have world government, whether you like it or not. You'll either agree to go along with it, or it'll be imposed upon you by force. Well, it only took 70 years. 70 years for Pope Francis to agree. He said, a one world government is the only way to save humanity. Did you hear that? That didn't come from a senator. It didn't come from a congressman. It didn't come from the World Economic Forum. It came from Pope Francis. A one-world government is the only way to save humanity. We want to take a look at that here today on Viewpoint because things are moving extremely rapidly in that direction. And in order to understand this, I'm going to share with you a rather extensive uh, some rather extensive quotes from a piece that just came out today from World Net Daily by Bob Unruh. Bob Unruh was the writer of the article, but you might also say he he is more accurately the editor of the article because initially many of the comments came from J.B. Shirk at the American Thinker. So I hope you'll anchor your seatbelts, friends, because. Viewpoint determines destiny. It always does, always has, and always will. And the viewpoints that are shared here in this article should get our attention very seriously at this unique moment in world history. It's called, The West is Warned That Globalist Totalitarians Will Seek to Euthanize It. In other words, put the West and its democracies silently to death. There have been monstrous tragedies, says Bob Unruh, in world history that have cost a couple of hundred million lives. Those include Lenin's Soviet Union, Stalin's Iron Curtain, Hitler's Germany, Mao's China, and Pol Pot's Cambodia. It is the story of Kim's North Korea and the Ayatollahs of Iran. For over a century, humanity has endured one form of barbarous totalitarianism after the next. It slithers into unsuspecting countries, often hiding behind the mask of democratic elections. It seeks to eliminate opponents in stages. First it proselytizes, then it intimidates, and finally it murders. It's a governing philosophy that specializes in mass executions, dank prison cells, killing fields, and concentration camps. Totalitarianism infiltrates society with lies and builds nothing but the machinery of death, he said. And his warning is very blunt, that with the earth still wet from so much blood, Western governments now seek to turn the 21st century into the 20th century's even bloodier reflection. It's humbling to realize that we humans repeat so many mistakes through the course of history, It's infuriating, however, to watch today's political leaders push humanity down the exact same paths that led to such monstrous uh, tragedies in the past. When will governments grasp that coercion only intensifies the human desire to be free? 
When will courts realize that two-tiered justice and political persecution ensure the rule of law's demise? How many more lives must be lost before those who exercise power understand that tyranny always leads to more terror? Are global elites doing their best to euthanize the West? To put the West and its democracies to death? And so, Shirk, J.B. Shirk at the American Thinker, describes the looming totalitarianism as the warm bath in which civilization slits its wrists. It envelops the people with immoral duties and forced sacrifices. It warms its victims with intoxicating promises of the government's false love. It leaves the citizen naked, stripped first of his free will, then the thoughts of his head, and finally anything he once called his own. Remember, by the way, I insert this. Remember, by the way, um, Klaus Schwab's statement, you'll own nothing and be happy about it. So I go on with this piece from Bob Unruh. Then it uses mass executions, killing fields, and more to build nothing but the machinery of more death. If any nation of people should have learned the harsh repercussions of totalitarianism, it's Germany, he wrote. Instead, today's German leaders seek to ban opposition political parties and silence dissent. They disrupt social cohesion and cultural unity by opening Germany's borders to illegal aliens from unassimilatable civilizations. German Nazis rose to power by dehumanizing much of Europe. Now their ideological descendants dehumanize those who oppose growing German totalitarianism by ironically branding them as Nazis. In this setting, German Klaus Schwab has built the World Economic Forum as an engine for making oppressive government universal. It is a strange sight to see Western nations send their parliamentary leaders, foreign ministers, military generals, and prominent business executives to Schwab's World Economic Forum powwows, where they may organize how best to dominate and manipulate their respective national populations without even the pretense of democratic mandate or constitutional legitimacy. He concluded that the most pungent indicator that Western totalitarianism has returned is the World Economic Forum's insistence that it is battling threats to democracy, which, by the way, is the theme of Joe Biden's re-election. Have you noticed that? The very one who is most destructive of democracy is accusing Donald Trump of the ultimate destroyer of democracy. But that's how they work. There's nothing democratic about labeling dissent as disinformation. There's nothing democratic about conspiring with tech companies to censor public debate as hate speech. There's nothing democratic about imposing top-down climate change regulations that do nothing other than strip private property rights and centralize economic control. There's nothing democratic about mandating what farmers may grow, what meats may be eaten, what people may own, what words can be said, or what experimental vaccines are required to work, he warned. He called the World Economic Forum a totalitarian machine that undermines the West and offers an existential threat to human rights. World economic forums such as Bill Gates, Al Gore, and John Kerry 
think so little of ordinary people that they terrorize them with scientifically fraudulent warnings of a looming climate change apocalypse built around the preposterous notion that poor and middle-class communities can be saved only if they hand over their private property, live in tiny cubicle apartments in 15-minute cities, and abandon any fondness of personal freedom. But people will rebel, he warned, because Klaus Schwab's evil club has effectively disenfranchised the people, and there's now a growing popular revolt throughout the West that could easily combust into another reign of terror. Again, I welcome you to Viewpoint, friends. Might not be friendly information, but it is true, and we need to understand its implications. We'll talk more about world dominion and the deification of government when we come back. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. Again, I welcome you back to Viewpoint, friends. I'm Chuck Chris Myers. Conversation is always, with ever-increasing conviction, talk that transforms. When I was 12 years of age, I uh, was living in Fresno, California, on a street, a short street, that, believe it or not, ended up with a pastor, my father, on one end, starting a home mission church, and on both sides of the street, going down the one-block street, were four executives of the Southern Baptist Convention. (laughs) I thought it was interesting. And uh, because we are not exclusive denominationally, my parents suggested, and I was invited, to go to a Southern Baptist uh, vacation Bible school. I was 12 years of age uh, and in the seventh grade. So I went And one of the things that I remember, in fact, the only thing that I remember from it specifically was this, Psalm 24, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. For he that is God has established it. And it asks the question, who shall ascend unto the hill of the Lord? And who shall stand in his holy place? They that have clean hands and a pure heart. Every time I see Psalm 24, I think of that Southern Baptist uh, vacation Bible school that I was in at the age of 12. It's the only real connection I've had with the SBC throughout my whole life, in particular, other than having probably five or six uh former presidents of the Southern Baptist Convention on this program over the years. But we're not here to talk about Southern Baptists or Northern Baptists or any other Baptist. We're here to talk about our world and the fullness thereof. God says that he is the founder of the earth, that he has established it upon the floods, that he himself governs the world. He's the governor of the world and owns everything in it and the fullness thereof. 
But when people forsake the fear of the Lord, as the globalists have, and as the one leading party in this country has openly, notoriously, and intentionally abandoned the God of the Bible and the fear of the Lord in favor of global government, we stand on the precipice, friends, of exalting ourselves with fist rage and anger existent against the God who made and preserved us a nation, and the God who said that he is the one who established the earth, is the governor of the earth, and will determine who sits on the throne at the Temple Mount. All of that is being reversed now. All of that is being overturned by the abandonment of the fear of the Lord and the exaltation of humankind as God. Now, the only way humankind can exalt itself as God, ultimately, is to claim to be equal with God, to have their own viewpoints, their own ideas that can be superimposed over what God has said, or to completely ignore what God has said, and to just write their own Bible, so to speak, their own new dogma, their own new Ten Commandments, their own new, uh, whatever you want to call it, religious uh, concepts. And so that's where we're sitting right now. Even though the writer of this article, Globalist Totalitarian Seeks to Euthanize the West, is not talking about religion, at the root of it all is, in fact, God. The reaction and revolt of humankind against God. The whole foundation of the World Economic Forum is a revolt against God. Just like the French Revolution ultimately became a revolt against God and against Jesus Christ, so this new resurrection of a world government, just as in the French Revolution, is shaking its fist against the God of creation and saying, in effect, government will be our God, meaning mankind will be our God. But of course, you see, all of us can't be that God, even though we see ourselves individually of being able to superimpose our own viewpoints over what God has said, even in his own house, which we do regularly and have shown so many times here on this program. But notwithstanding that, we're in a situation now where, as it was in the French Revolution, so it is now. You see, initially in the French Revolution, there seemed to be legitimacy to the rise of uh, what was originally called uh, the, t the terror. You might call it a revolt. People were upset about uh, what was happening or not happening with regard to uh, those in the, the, the working people in the country and were upset with the aristocracy and, and those kinds of things. But actually... The real spirit of it was against everything that had to do with God and Jesus Christ. In other words, it was the exaltation and the belief that somehow 
humankind could rise to the level of godhood. And so, the French Revolution attempted to do just that. It began with the terror. And of course, the initial people to fall under Madame Guillotine were those who represented authority, those who represented the, shall we say, the status quo of uh, legitimate government as it was known at that time. They all had to fall. And part of those included the bishops. Now, France was Roman Catholic, so uh, it was the Roman Catholic bishops that had to go, and their heads had to roll down the streets of Paris. But that was not sufficient. In fact, it had to be increased. Because as Robespierre clearly indicated, you know, this hasn't gone for enough, uh, far enough yet. We've got to really purge this country. We've got to globalize it, so to speak. We have got to turn France into a complete country, independent and culture, completely independent of God and independent of Jesus Christ. And so they attempted to do that. That brought on what was called the Great Terror. Now, if you were to superimpose these French Revolution titles, references, upon our current situation, you might be able to relate to it. Because the original uprising, the terror, could very well be akin to what we're seeing, the strife that we're seeing in our country and uh, in Western countries and so on, where godlessness is rising presumptuously, in fact, almost triumphantly over the people. This is one of the reasons why Joe Biden, for instance, has made abortion, the killing of our children, a number one campaign item. That's the driving force. Kill your children with impunity. At the same time, the same man, while claiming to be a faithful Roman Catholic, that abhors abortion, he has united himself in a very unusual way with the very Pope of the Roman Catholic Church, who has declared that a one-world government is the only way to save humanity. That's Joe Biden's belief as well. That's John Kerry's belief as well, who was the head of his... uh, uh, environmental, he was the environmental czar for Joe Biden, and now has become one of the leaders in his campaign for a second term in the presidency. What we're talking about here, friends, you might think is political. No, we're not talking about politics here. These people might happen to be politicians, but they're only serving in a role that is fulfilling exactly what the scriptures have foretold was going to take place in these times as the world turns against the God of creation, makes no bones about it, and decides to become God on its own. 
Now, what was the result of the Great Terror? Well, the Great Terror was akin, akin to the Great Tribulation now that the Bible talks about. First, you have tribulation, trials, and so on, much like the original terror of the French Revolution. Then it accelerates, is catapulted down the road dramatically into the great terror or the great tribulation. That, my friends, is the fulcrum moment that we are in right now. This article that we shared in opening the program today is talking about this from a governmental standpoint. Here now, we're blending that governmental standpoint with the spiritual standpoint that the Bible portrays. Now, ultimately, we know, we all know, if we're willing to admit it, that the rise of human government in shaking its fist against God and seeking to supersede God's rulership in the earth. Remember, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. All that are therein belong to him. We say no. No, not anymore. We're going to save ourselves. That's what Propensa said. We're going to save ourselves. The only hope for to save humanity is not the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. It's not salvation from sin. It's world government. So, that being said, the question is, where do we go from here? Let's connect a few of the dots, if we can. In order to do that, we're going to have to go back to the United Nations. We're going to have to go back to the agendas that they have set forth and why it's being set forth, what the end result is going to be of that. But we know inexorably that this is going to end up, this so-called deification of government is going to end up headed by one man. Just as the Church of Jesus Christ is headed up by one, even so, the deification of government will be headed up by one. And who will that be? He's called the Antichrist, right? The Antichrist. So how quickly that Antichrist figure will manifest himself is a little difficult to say right now. We don't know the day or the hour, but we know the season. And we're in that season that's moving very, very, very rapidly in that direction. In fact, as you well know, both the United Nations and the World Economic Forum have established the year 2030 as the time in which all of this is to be implemented. 2030 is just six and a half years or so from now. Seven years, six and a half, depending on where you're going to go in 2030. And fascinatingly, that's almost exactly 2,000 years, and I said almost exactly 2,000 years, since the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus Christ in approximately 30 AD. Now, all that having been said, as foundational to the balance of the program here today, I want to make available two books to you. 
The first is Antichrist, how to identify the coming imposter. Antichrist, how to identify the coming imposter. It's a $22 book, and it's available on our website for $20. The other is the book Messiah, Unveiling the Mystery of the Ages. Messiah, Unveiling the Mystery of the Ages. It also is a $22 book available for $20 on our website. If you were to get both of those books, it would be a total of $40. But instead of $5 postage and handling for each one, it would be $5 for the first, $2 for the second, so a total of $7. I urge you to seriously consider getting those two books. They follow one another, and I don't think you'd be disappointed. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, on the front page are two great videos. First, an interview and discussion of Chuck's book, Out of Egypt. Also, a great TV interview with Chuck regarding his book, Seduction of the Saints. Much more videos, a for pastors only section, and also you can view Chuck's weekly teachings. All at his website, saveus.org. That's saveus.org. Also on Chuck's website, listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast. Listen to the archives. Maybe you missed a program. Check it out at saveus.org. Also, there are some great resources, hospitality information, also information about marriage, divorce, and remarriage, newsletters, articles, prophecy, Prayer and revival information, all at saveus.org. Welcome back to Viewpoint. If you're interested in those books, you can obtain them on our website, saveus.org, saveus.org. You can call us at 1-800-SAVE-USA. That's 1-800-SAVE-USA. Or write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Writing a check at $5 for postage and handling for the first book, $2 for a second book if you get them together. Okay, now, in my book, Messiah, we have a picture of the cover of one of the most fascinating pieces of writing made available that you probably have never heard of unless you listened to this program a few months ago. It's called Baha'i's Teachings for the New World Order. Baha'i's Teachings for the New World Order. They call it a spiritual democracy. Welcome to the Baha'i World Order. The concept of a world order, a federation of the globe's nations, a universal tribunal, a parliament of man, represents the inevitable next step in our collective maturation, they say, humanity's best hope for peace. The Baha'i faith incorporates at its very core the democratic ideal. In fact, decision-making by the body is democratically elected. No clergy exists in the Baha'i faith. And that rules out the possibility of Baha'i being a theocracy. So the foundation of this cause, the Baha'i cause, is pure spiritual democracy, not theocracy. And it encourages the independent investigation of truth, 
supports the thought and upholds the right of unrestricted individual belief. In democracy, because thought and speech are not restricted. So, what do they mean by that? They mean that if you're buying into the Baha'i religious viewpoint of democracy, everybody's belief is co-equal. You're entitled to whatever belief you have, and since there is no God, because humankind is God, and we're collectively gods in our own right, there is no way to get upset with anybody else according to their belief, because everybody's belief is co-equal. So you've eliminated any religious strife, you've religious, uh, eliminated any uh, other kinds of uh, uh, strife because everybody's beliefs are co-equal. In other words, we've all become gods in our own right. That's the implication of it. So Albert Einstein, as smart a man as he was, made this statement. Mankind's desire for peace can be realized only by the creation of a world government. Baha'i says we stand on the threshold of an age whose convulsions proclaim like the death pangs of the old order and the birth pangs of the new. Nelson Mandela made his own convictions clear. He said the new world order that is in the making must focus on the creation of a world democracy, peace and prosperity for all. But from the Baha'i perspective, this phrase, the new world order, refers to the progressive, inevitable next stage in global governments, worldwide spiritual democracy. So you might say, well, welcome to the cafeteria Christ presented for your personal selection at the Democratic Buffet table of Baha'i. So, that having been said, we take a look at this whole idea of the globalist messiah. A global messiah is going to one day rule the world. The Bible says so. But to preempt the global messiah, who is Christ Jesus the Lord, born in Bethlehem, who was disclosed by the angels to the shepherds as the one who would be bring peace on earth, goodwill toward men, that Isaiah said would become the prince of peace, that the government would be upon his shoulders, and his name would be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. There will be one who will preempt him, or seek to preempt him. Satan himself has already prepared that to happen. It is in motion as we speak. No, I cannot give you a name and wouldn't even try to give you a name. That would be futile. That would be almost as futile as trying to establish the exact date of Christ's return. When the Bible itself said, no man knows the day of the hour, not even the Son, but the Father only. But a global Messiah is one day going to rule the world. And that's the very nation, uh, nature of the Messianic movement, religious, quasi-religious, or otherwise. 
And the contestants, by the way, are many, they're varied, but each one is seeking to become victorious. So, we now uh, perceive this moment in history to, in effect, be an effort to rebuild the ancient Tower of Babel in a global Babylon. And the Messiah, Christ Jesus, is awaiting man's best effort to replace him, since nature abhors a vacuum. So welcome to the birth of a new world order as the kings and priests of the planet prepare to bow to a false, real Messiah. Now, interestingly, the Bahu Allah declares himself the promised one of all nations and religions. He claims to be the king of kings and lord of lords, the world's savior and redeemer promised in all sacred scriptures. And he was founder of the Baha'i faith. Said to be the foundation of all divine religions, consolidated in Baha'i. The Baha'i incarnation of God religion is the greatest of all means for establishing of world of order in the world, declared Abdul Baha. The Baha'i faith sees the United Nations as the vessel by which the unifying of the world's religions into one faith will come to fruition. The Baha'i faith is a popular religion of ecumenism and political correctness embraced by the United Nations and other interfaith organizations, unifying all faiths, prophets, and the entire human race. Sounds pretty comfortable, doesn't it? Now, what are the teachings for this new world order? Well, the teachings for this new world order are pretty simply set forth in the booklet, Baha'i Teachings for the New World Order. And here they are. The oneness of mankind, universal peace upheld by a world government, independent investigation of truth, in other words, everyone can believe whatever they want to be believe, no matter what truth is, your truth is different than my truth, and they're all deemed to be truth, so that we will have no uh, violence, we will have no uh, conflict with one another. The common foundation of all religions, that's what it believes, the essential harmony of science and religion. What they mean is that science will dictate what your religion will believe. Equality of men and women. Elimination of prejudice of all kinds. Universal compulsory education. In other words, all of the young of the planet will be fed exactly the same indoctrinating information, and there will be no other contrary information that will be acceptable. Isn't that kind of what's happening even in American so-called public education over the past 50 years? Exactly. A spiritual solution to economic problems and a universal auxiliary language. In other words, there will be a new language imposed. Universal, and you dare not do otherwise. 
That's the foundation for the teachings for the new world order. And as declared by Pope Paul VI, the edifice of modern civilization has to be built on spiritual principles. Pope Francis made his uh, understanding clear in previous Pope's position as to the Vatican's embrace of the UN, United Nations, as the geopolitical entity to merge with the Vatican's perceived moral and spiritual aura to bring about the new world order. Even uh, referencing the United Nations 2030 Agenda. Now, this is the fifth time that a pope has visited the United Nations. Pope John Paul II said, I follow in the footsteps of my predecessor and my most recent predecessor. So, Pope Francis now is following in the footsteps of the previous three, two or three popes and has gone far beyond what they have said. He has said that the United Nations is in fact, or a one world government, is the only hope for the salvation of humanity. Francis revealed the dogma that he intends to replace belief in Christ as Savior. He's advocating for Catholics to unite behind a one world government and surrender their freedom and sovereignty to international interests. And that same submission to global or globalist dogma was further defined and declared by Pope Benedict XVI in 2009 in his encyclical, encyclical where he said, there is urgent need of a true world political authority. As my predecessor, John the Twenty-Third indicated some years ago. They're all in it together, friends. And that encyclical is binding as church, Catholic church teaching and dogma. So where do we go from here? Stay tuned. You're still listening to Viewpoint, and Viewpoint does determine destiny. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by His Spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, Behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. Again, I welcome you back to Viewpoint. I'm Chuck Chris Meyer. We're dealing with some of the most difficult issues uh, that we're facing, uh, things that you will not hear about on any news program. You just won't. They don't dare talk about these things. For one thing, they don't know anything about them. 
You have to understand the Bible in a very significant way in order to be able to connect dots. And then you have to have the political chutzpah to be able to go against what is considered the acceptable dogma of the day. Whether it be from a Republican viewpoint, a Democrat viewpoint, uh, an independent viewpoint, or any other viewpoint. We're not interested in those viewpoints here. We're interested in God's viewpoint. That's the only one that really matters. And you and I must come to the place where we align with his viewpoint. Now, unfortunately, the Roman Catholic Church, once seen as the guardian of of religious tradition worldwide, now wishes to use radical means, even a true world political authority, for its own socio-political ends. That, my friends, is a quote. And to understand the depths of that more, you might want to visit Revelation chapter 17. But we're not going to go into that today because we don't have time. We've talked about it before. So there is a merging with Vatican geopolitical and spiritual views and the United Nations beliefs and Baha'i beliefs. So again, we're turning to the beliefs of Baha'i as set forth in the Baha'i teachings for the New World Order, the 2003 edition. That was 21 years ago. The world, here it is, the world's equilibrium has been upset through the vibrating influence of this most great, this new world order. Mankind's ordered life has been revolutionized through the agency of this unique, this wondrous system, the like of which mortal eyes have never witnessed. Are you seeing the language that's being used here, friends, is language to compete with the very creation of God. In other words, to usurp God and replace God with humankind, collectively. Unification of the whole of mankind, said Baha'i, is the hallmark of the stage which human society is now approaching. World unity is the goal towards which a harassed humanity is striving. Nation building has come to an end. The anarchy inherent in state sovereignty is moving towards a climax. In other words, nations are out. Global government is in. A world, they say, must abandon this fetish of state sovereignty and recognize the oneness and wholeness of human relationships and establish once for all the machinery that can best incarnate this fundamental principle of its life, incarnate. I thought Christ was the one that incarnated God's salvation. No, that has to be replaced now. Humankind is going to incarnate it through the declarations of Baha'i and the United Nations. So, I think it should be pretty obvious right now that this language is virtually indistinguishable from, from that that has been emanating from the papal pens of the last three popes, particularly the proclamations of Pope Francis. But where does it lead? What actions will this miraculous merger of geopolitics and man-centered religion reveal in this historic moment? 
Well, Baha'i makes the make clear the end game of Vatican vision of the globalist Protestant promoters. They really do. Here it is. The unity of human race is envisaged implies the establishment of a world commonwealth in which all nations, races, creeds, and classes are closely and permanently united. The commonwealth must consist of world literature whose members will, as the trustees of the whole of mankind, that is the elite now, using the term that everybody wants to use, the elite, the trustees of the whole of mankind ultimately control the entire resources of all component nations and will enact such laws as should be required to regulate the life, satisfy the needs, and adjust the relationships of all races and peoples. Do we not understand what this language means, friends? You say, well, those are just mere words. No, they're words expressing the viewpoint. And the viewpoint is determining destiny and leading ultimately to a world executive that will be called, biblically, the counterfeit Christ or Messiah, bringing promised peace on earth, goodwill toward men. So here's what Baha'i reveals as the consummation of all of this. A world federal system ruling the whole earth and exercising unchallengeable authority. It will be a system in which force is made the servant of justice, whose life is sustained by its universal recognition of one God, that is the merger of all religions, and by its allegiance to one common revelation, the Baha'i faith. Such is the goal towards which humanity, impelled by the unifying forces of life, is moving. So, as we began the program, we begin the close. Prepare now for the soon manifestation of the United Nations Savior. Your allegiance will be compelled by force. As Pope Francis decreed, a one-world government is the only way to save humanity. So, how is this being manifested right now? Well, one way through the 2030 agenda of the United Nations is the so-called sustainable development of the earth. It's a euphemism for environmental salvation, which was noted in a news item with this title, UN Advances Global Governance with Climate Accord. In other words, it's all about global governments. It's not about climate. It's about using the climate as a means to achieve or convince the vast number of people on the planet that they should yield and submit themselves to a new world government. Now, it's possible that you missed the historic vote of the United Nations that took place on September 25th, 2015, nine years ago. The 193-member United Nations General Assembly formally adopted the 2030 Agenda for Sustainable Development, along with a set of bold new global goals, which the Secretary General hailed as a universal, integrated, and transformative vision for a better world. In other words, a new world order. The new world order has been in the works 
friends, as we've seen for a very long time. And now we're quickly approaching the final stage, where all the pieces of the puzzle are coming into place. Trade agreements have been signed, new central banks have been established, people of various faiths are being unified. As the UN begins to start acting on the goals, outlines, and Agenda 2030, and as the World Economic Forum, as it did just a week or two ago, gathering together 600 of the most uh, well-heeled business people in the world together with the heads of 50 governments, they're all starting, acting on the goals, outlines and Agenda 2030 established by the UN and by the World Economic Forum. Proceed, they're, they're prepared to see a rapid erosion of freedoms and the replacement of the U.S. Constitution with a global constitution. And then, it's only going to take some sort of a catalyst like a war, economic collapse, famine, disease, terrorism, some other kind of state of chaos that's going to lead the people of the world to cry out for the official establishment of the new world order along with a global leader, the one known in the Bible as the Antichrist. There's so much more to be understood about this, friends. We're just giving a almost a rather superficial discussion of this because the time does not permit us to go into great depths. But if you want to go into greater depths and understand the, mer- the many, many connections, I urge you to get a copy of two books. One is my book, Antichrist, How to Identify the Coming Imposter. The other is Messiah, Unveiling the Mystery of the Ages. Each of these books is a $22 book. They're yours for $20 a piece. And when you order them right now, before we increase the postage rates, which we're going to have to do because of the increased postage rates that the U.S. Postal Service has imposed upon us, we are going to keep our rates at the same level right now. And uh, that would be $5 per book. But if you get two or more, You add $2 each for every successive book. You can go to our website, saveus.org, saveus.org. You can call us at 1-800-SAVE-USA. That's 1-800-SAVE-USA. Or write to us at Save America Ministries. P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Again, if you're writing a check, Make sure you add $5 for the first book and $2 for each successive book. But those orders need to be placed uh, right quickly because uh, we are going to have to raise our postage and handling rates. We're barely covering as it is. Okay, a big thank you to all of you who have been so faithful in uh, helping us to remain on the air now for 28 and a half years. It is a true blessing. Uh, We're so very, very grateful. Uh, More and more are contacting us and saying, you know what, Uh, I've come across your program, been listening now for a while, and uh, I really appreciate what you're doing. Uh, It is life-changing. It certainly is opening my eyes 
uh, to our times and to how I need to adjust my life to be pleasing to the Lord, uh, it's, it's, it's affecting a lot of people in different ways. And we're very grateful for that. But if you're grateful, if you see that happening in your own life, can I urge you to become one with those who are helping us to remain on the right? Remember, we don't have any advertising. No advertising. And there's a reason for that. Because the moment you bring advertising on a program, that's the moment they begin to control what you say. Not just overtly, but covertly. Because the person who is heading up the ministry of so on doesn't want to offend, you see. Doesn't want to offend other people or advertisers. So it determines what they say or what they don't say. We have no such restrictions on this program, if you haven't noticed. We try to communicate very straightly. No dancing around. No trying to avoid talking about things that really matter. Speaking straightly. Basically, just like Jesus did. Like the apostles did. They didn't mess around. They didn't try to become politically correct. They didn't try to pander to the people. They just spoke directly. Lovingly, yes, but directly. They didn't mince words. And we try to do that here today, as always, on Viewpoint. Our viewpoints are extremely important. Your viewpoint is extremely important, friends. If you're a father, if you're a mother, grandparents, your viewpoint is determining the destiny of those around you. You can't avoid it. So let's get serious about our viewpoints, okay? And become a partner. Send your gifts by faith, friends, to Save America Ministries. Do it today. Call us, 1-800-SAVE-USA. Write to us. Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Or go to the website and make your gift that way, saveus.org. The two books, Antichrist and Messiah. God bless, be a blessing, and let's humble ourselves before the Holy Spirit who's trying to guide us into all truth. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.